I'm best worrying I gotta be the top earner every fucking second. So there you go, then. Don't give me that smart alecky shit. Don't forget, I go back in this family to Johnny. Before you even. It's your fault anyway. All this shit started with that Russian prick when I had to go pick up your five grand. You know, things might be a little different, Paulie. You could accept some responsibility for a change. You're a wormy cocksucker, you know that? No! I'm just telling you how you're being fucking perceived. Just worry about how you're fucking perceived. Nobody knows what the future holds, my friend. That's right, my friends. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. Hi, my name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 51 episodes of The Sopranos. We're really coming to the end now of season four, that is, with lots of episodes to go. Um, Yeah, but this one, Eloise, episode uh, 12 of season four. Who put this thing together, Jim? This one was written by Terrence Winter, who is, uh, like we said, on The Sopranos' Mount Rushmore. He's a mainstay. It was directed by James Heyman. This is the only episode of The Sopranos that he directs. He is married to Annie Potts, who played Janine on Ghostbusters. There's a little interesting factoid for you. And he was the cinematographer on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Ooh, great, great uh, accomplishments, both. Um, but, uh, okay, yeah, so uh, I wouldn't say that this one stuck out stylistically as a very different one, even though they had one of those one-off directors. I'd say sometimes when they do, uh, it, it, there have been a couple episodes where I'm like, okay, that was an interesting slash dumb choice or in- interesting slash great choice, uh, but, like, something that sticks out. Wouldn't really say anything stuck out about this particular director uh, in a good way. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, oh, by the way, this episode did air on December 1st, 2002, so it's been that long. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of seemed uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess journeyman. You could put anyone in the in the director's chair on this one. It's it's a good thing. It's not really necessarily a bad thing because it didn't go against type for The Sopranos. It felt right at home with the rest of the episodes. Yes. Well, the one thing that feels off is it starts in this courtroom and uh, Junior is like not having a weird side plot where he's trying to antagonize the artist or like chatting up some reporter. He's just he's just actually being uh, convicted, not really convicted. Uh, They're doing the closing statements as far as I can tell. Um, But the important thing, of course, is that they're scoping out which of these jurors would be best to threaten. Maybe all of them. Maybe that guy. We'll start with that guy. And then uh, also, I thought, unless I'm mistaken, when he looks back into like the audience or the crowd or whatever, do we see the nurse sitting there? Yes. Okay. We yeah. do. Because I, I, I wasn't quite 100% or not, uh, but I did make a note on that. So, yeah, we see the nurse in the crowd and then Bobby scoping out the jury. Who's the weak link? Who can we uh, lean on, if you will, and uh, try to get Junior... Uh, get get him off this dumb this dumb trial. He's an innocent man, I tell you. Yes, uh, they do say like they have uh, th- they've documented clandestine meetings in his at his doctor's office, and that's when we see uh, the nurse sort of exchanging a look even with Junior. So, and he's not like fuck you. He's like ah oh, you sweetheart, because <laughs> they don't. It doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, they just need to get to one of these jurors, and uh, they pick one out. And then we have uh, Carmilla and AJ, and AJ's going over what his report of uh, Herman Melville's uh, Billy Budd, which becomes an important plot point later on, uh, as well as this discussion of this book, which or this novella, 
yeah. which I will say is the final novel uh, by Herman Melville, first published posthumously in London in 1924. This is all off the top of my head. Uh, of course. Similarly <laughs> off the top of my head, I will let you know that uh, it was posthumously published. Uh, maybe you already said that, but uh, yeah. yeah, they found it in his notes and just published it after, and they had to rewrite it because uh, his notes were all fucked all over the place, so they published another version then, and uh, yeah, it's become a classic, and we all know this. Jim, I've never heard of this novella. I uh, needed to look into it a little bit there. But even with all of that, like not having heard of it, this line here, I don't know if it's me or society or whatever or just great writing in The Sopranos, but I was like, sounds like a pretty gay book. Not <laughs> negatively, but yeah. like he's talking about how, oh, he's always calling him handsome and clapping him on the shoulder or something. I'm like, oh, it sounds like one of these uh, repressed gay men maybe. So that was my analysis from one sentence. So, yeah. So, yeah, it sets things up. And then Furio arrives. Speaking of gay men, I'm on Team Tony Jeez. all the way. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, no. So this is not great. <laughs> You're <laughs> le- less PC than Carmilla. <laughs> yeah, I'm being facetious. But, yeah, Furio arrives and uh, uh, what? They're talking about the remodeling and her dad's like a contractor and – they're trying to get ready for his mom to come out and live in his garage, which, I, again, I don't think you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then, yes, she's got the homemade scones. And, and AJ brings up, what, fat and carbs for breakfast? And there was a yeah. line in the previous episode as well where he was concerned about weight. So I don't know, like, is this just this, the smallest subplot ever? Uh, <laughs> because I think Tony made some comment like, oh, that – that's all you're concerned about, like in the last episode. So AJ going through uh, an eating disorder, I imagine. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's just, I mean, he's always, is he, is he still on the football team? Or was that like, did that end when he passed out? Or like, because is that still going on? I guess we can I mean, assume. He didn't get kicked out of school since, so he's presumably not on the same team. Yeah, I guess um, we can assume he's still playing football. I would I would honestly assume not, given that you know he he didn't like it that much. He left the school. Now he's at another school. He's actually doing his papers. He's got a girlfriend. Uh, I would just think he's uh, growing up a bit and mm-hmm. started actually realizing he should uh, care about how he looks more than how he feels. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so that's. But yeah, you're right. It's a very small subplot. Um, itching for the payoff. Yeah, and then even Furio doesn't have a homemade scone either, but he does say it smells like heaven in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony comes down and eats a scone and Carmela gives him <laughs> like this, the biggest stink eye I've ever seen. Like, I love that. She's so annoyed that he's enjoying one of her homemade scones because it's, it really is to this point of like, you disgusting person. Like, why are you in my life? Uh, yeah. and then, but then Tony's doing kind of the right stuff here though, because He's, you know, what do women want? They want, like, spontaneity, show that you've been thinking about them. Although, I guess, to be fair, you can uh, typically gather that Tony had to lean on someone or someone owed him, so he fell into this Ocean Club Paradise Island vacation that he springs on her here. But she's, she's not really impressed with that either. True. Yeah, of course. And I mean, she made the scones for Furio because like you, like we mentioned, AJ's like, what? So she says like, my son loves him. And he's like, what, fat and carbs? <laughs> <laughs> so she made them for, for Furio. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's just, you gotta go to this paradise island and it's, uh, oh, what a, what a, what a hell, what a hell hole. Uh, because, well, I do love his reasoning of like, 
I know you've been, you know, feeling down with the horse and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, he's clearly <laughs> talking about himself. Uh, that, he, deep down, I know that's the reason you got your haircut. And that's uh, when she looks at him like, wow, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does, ru- like, on the surface, what he's doing is the right thing. But then when he opens his mouth, he is completely ruining it. Yeah, that's probably why you cut your hair. Then we cut to, you know, Furio seething in the car as Tony's complaining about Carmella calling her a moody bitch um mm. and you know he just has to suffer in silence he is being the strong silent type as we've gone over yeah although it's yeah i mean it's clearly building to something as we'll see here like that's the purpose of this or I mean, is it it makes sense building tension between carmilla and tony and then yeah. you know it's gonna all explode or will it because this is a david chase show uh, this is The Sopranos, yeah. so is it building to something? I guess we'll see. Yeah, we will, won't we? Um, well, we got another build-up here uh, at the golf course where we have this uh, this kid. Uh, it's it's Carmine's kid, right? That's who this Yeah, is. little yeah. Carmine's now um, up in New York, I guess, or I don't know if they're in Jersey golfing. I assume they're in New York. Uh, basically because of Tony, because Tony went down to Miami Asked him to kind of help out. But as we see now, like roles quickly reverse because, excuse me, Carmine makes a comment about how, you know, how, how proud he would be to have Tony as his son. That's little, all it took. Yeah. <laughs> Just one thing. Now little Carmine hates him. But now it's like not only is little Carmine worried about being replaced, now Johnny Sack is worried about being replaced by little Carmine since he's he's now in the scene. Yeah, but the most important thing is the it's a total debacle. Yeah. Uh, that's the most important thing about the scene, where you know we have we we have some people saying shit wrong, but like he brings it to a whole new level, making you think he should not be the new Carmine or the new Johnny Sack. I uh, shouldn't be anything, and uh, yeah, Carmine should be proud to call Tony his son, but he's not. Um, yeah, it's it is funny. It is funny looking back just a couple episodes. Like they were like. Down in Florida, people were gonna kill each other. Like Johnny Sack was he he was gonna get killed and Carmine was given the go ahead. I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but yeah. wow, what a reversal. Yeah, and also um it's what's what's kind of nice about these short scenes with little Carmine is yeah, it's it's they quickly show you that he's pretty dumb and he doesn't belong, and it kind of made sense that he was just kind of pushed off into Miami just doing whatever the fuck he did there. Uh yeah. and it's like uh, not a great thing that Tony has him involved now. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Sopranos are a glorified crew. <laughs> I mean, who are we kidding here? Uh, or the New Jersey yeah, family. Not a family. Yeah. yeah, they're not a family, which is a fun line. Um, so Carmine shows up at Furio's place. And like, this is just a few minutes into the episode. So already I'm like, oh, this is a really Furio heavy episode. Like, something, something's bound to happen here. Um, and uh, yeah, Carmela is. Uh, taking a look at this place uh, where Furio's mother doesn't want mirrors because, you know, that's it's nose in the air when people look at themselves. Uh, <laughs> but tile floors are okay. Um, so we got to get that sorted. I will give him credit. It looks like someone could live in this place, which I did not expect seeing the, um, you know, the garage earlier. Yeah, yeah. Things are starting to come together. Um, and then, and then, let me see. I mean, yeah, I don't have much notes on this. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, to go to like Tile Center or some like some real generic just tile store, and it's like I'd be, you know, I I'd be uh, 
so happy to go there with you. And they're like, oh, it's a date. And they're having these knowing looks. And yeah, the sparks are really flying here. Yeah, she's saying, yeah, he's saying, I never thank you for helping me. You are a very special woman. And all those wonderful things that, you know, he just has such a way with uh, with words. But yeah, they make a date. Well, what's, then, uh, no, what's great ahead. here, if we, like if we go back... So go back, you know, a couple months ago when we're watching season two and then they have the Italy episode and Tony's, I mean, we've brought it up a few times that Tony's like, we're going to start bringing in more Italian guys and they only bring in Furio. And it's like, did yeah. is this where, did you expect this is where we were headed? <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't think anyone did, including the writers, uh, that this was the thing. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah. It's this is where we headed, I guess. Uh, I do wonder where the Italians went, the other ones. What happened with the car deal and that whole other family in general? Did anything happen? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's David Chase, so there you go. Uh, we have a car crash, very dramatic, very violent here um, with uh, Polly's mother. Yeah, Polly's ma and uh, Cookie and what was the other lady's name? I think Min. Uh, we won't have to know it for long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Min Matrone. Uh, and like, the, it, I like that it does kind of seem like it could almost be Polly's mother's fault, but it's also not because, you know, why is this old lady dri- driving around? I know she wants to keep her independence, but they're trying to like rush to a handicapped spot and they crash. Uh, and that sets up some drama for later. Yeah, they're at bingo, so like the handicap spots might be taken already. Um, it's a, but yeah, they just crash into some, uh, some other car which then ends up with Polly showing up at the hospital and they were going to go to the producers. This is an interesting way to start this one yes. for Polly, I mean. Yeah, and then uh, meanwhile, uh, Tony and Silvio are at the casino. We haven't, seen, we haven't been in the casino in a while. Uh, and yeah. Furio's giving Tony the eyes because like, everyone else is like, ah, we're calling a night, we're going home. Tony's ready to keep the party going. Of course, he's making out with some chick, you know, doing what, doing what he does. But now it like means more to Furio, uh, obviously, as, we, as he has this connection with Carmilla, much like we yeah. saw when he's talking shit in the car. Yes. And we have, is his name Brian, the guy? Yes. The financial guy. He's there. He's having a whale of a time, you know, best mm-hmm. new life. Nothing's ever going to go wrong for Brian, I bet. Um Yes, yeah, so this casino, I've not seen it in a while, like you mentioned. I did think, like, is this that... You know, Native American guys casino is that is this where we are? It's just this other casino, though, right? Yeah, I think it's just in like um, just a city building. It's where he ran into Jackie Junior that time, and then he likes. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, he smacked him up at the Bing, but I think he also ran into him at the casino one of the times and gave him like the initial warning. So it's just kind of a spot right. they pop in every now and then. Yes, like you said, Furio is just uh, staring daggers. And where does it go from there? I think, yeah, they, I mean, we don't check in on that again until they are asking if the chopper is available. And uh, <laughs> apparently it's a big deal about this chopper. And they've like, it, there have been issues before with the choppers. And they had to tell the girls, don't tell the guys about the chopper. Like, don't mention a chopper. But they, they mention it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think the reasoning behind it is that it's like an expensive thing. And yeah, of course. Yeah. It's yeah, it's obviously something they roll out because even he's like, yeah, fifteen grand between them, and that's like a lot of money, but it's probably not typically chopper money. Like they probably just set him up with a yeah. limo, and I guess that's why I assume maybe it is in New York or something because what you know, where are they taking a chopper to? Um, 
And yeah, and 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 that sets up the great. Well, I mean, I guess yeah, we're kind of going around here. Yeah, with you know, I remember this in the. This was one of the shots in the like next week on the Sopranos, and you got Furio eyeing Tony with the you know the chopper blade behind him, uh, and it's like, oh, here we go. What's gonna happen? And I mean, obviously. Tony Soprano's not going to get thrown into a chopper blade, but I guess it's some nice tension either way. Yeah, it, it is, and it's some good acting on Furio's part of like both the look in his eye beforehand, the looking around. He's the only one who's sober and really in it, except he's not in it because he's clearly like thinking something that's totally out of his mind, and he does grab hold of him, and that's when you see in his eye the look there after he grabs him. I was like, oh, shit, he's like... It's like he's coming out of a trance, and then he's like, you're standing too close. Yeah. And he sh- if he moved him out of the way, I would kind of believe that, but he just kind of leaves him there, kind of walks off. But it would, he should have, if you wanted it to be believable, I mean, Tony's drunk, he doesn't know either way, but he should have moved him away from the chopper, right? Uh, but yeah, it's, you, uh, it's still a good scene, even though no one gets chopped up. Yes, yeah. And, and I guess looking at at least my notes, the intercutting is weird because... We do, like, in the midst of this, we do have Carmela go to visit Meadows' apartment, and that's where we kind of learn that she now has an apartment in her sophomore year. They have a quick couple little sidelines of dialogue just being like, oh, you know, I thought it was weird if she's a sophomore, but it, those seniors moving out. Uh, and she mentioned it makes sense. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. No, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, it does kind of make sense because when they show the casino establishing shot, it is day. Okay. So, like, they've clearly been at this casino all day. Okay. So, we have the first scene in the casino. Then, like you mentioned, we get to see uh, Meadows' apartment. And it's really like, oh, Meadows uh, evolving <laughs> like a Pokemon. Uh, just getting to the next stage here. She got her own place with all these uh, roommates, and they're all very civilized. And she's being very reasonable and nice to her parents, um, which is interesting. And she's got a new boyfriend, uh, but she's, you know, mm. a little concerned because he hasn't said I love you yet. Um, and then, yeah, then we get back to the casino, everything we talked about. Uh, then it kind of cuts to Tony, classic hungover Tony, uh, you know, walking down the stairs in his robe, all disheveled. Uh, Furio has not arrived yet. He's 40 minutes late as well. And then Carmelo even has a little concern of like, oh, you two are up to stuff last night or, you know, ah, what do you want? He's a single yeah. guy. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And she, I think she, yeah, she tries to call him as well, but just gets the answering machine. And then Meadow calls and she's already like, fucking Meadow. Like, <laughs> this is at the start of uh, this whole arc, but she's like exhausted to, to talk to her. Um, and she invites them to come to dinner. Because I think she, they, she's now in a crowd where you pretend to be a grown-up and you host dinner parties. So she's like, oh, you... Because she says, like, we only get good wine when parents come. Like, this is a thing we do. Like, I don't think she would have taken that initiative on her own. But she's yeah. getting into a different crowd. This is what you do. So now I'm going to do it. Please come visit. But, yeah, and I mean, as we... As the episode goes on, you know, like the little things, like the fact that she... The fact that Meadow does have her own apartment, given she's with roommates, or that she is handling the dinner on her own, and she does have this budding romance, you know, these are all, these things are all uh, magnified to Carmilla with her, you know, issues with Furio. She does drive by Furio's house. She doesn't go in, though. Um, And then we kind of cut back to uh, Tony's meeting Johnny Sack. And again... 
they still want 40%, but the compromise is, well, no, just 40% from now. You don't even have to back pay all the stuff you made previously. Just from now on, 40%. And they kind of make some comments that they're at this potential new bar or restaurant or whatever of Carmine's. And, you know, that that yeah. becomes important. Yeah. And it's interesting in, in Johnny Sack because I, I, has he always been against this whole, like, rising beef? Wasn't it like a couple episodes he was kind of wishy-washy on it or whatever? But, like, he's clearly starting to think that this is unreasonable he doesn't like that he has to be the mouth that says like doesn't give a counter offer that was a big thing that they didn't even counter offer uh when they declined the 40 percent. so um he he doesn't like this and he knows how it's going to play out much like that earlier scene when they're like yeah pretty much what we expected he knows this is going to go down bad but he has to do it anyway yeah i mean because johnny sack it's like uh, he's back to he's he's getting back into the role of the johnny sack the Johnny Sack of old uh, yeah. that was more of a confidant to Tony. Whereas this season, I mean, I guess with Ralphie out of the picture, that helps things. But uh, we we saw quite a different Johnny Sack. They like to kind of change things around a bit. And like you said, with this episode, things do like a complete reversal. Yes. And speaking of reversals, we get Carmilla uh, finding out that, hey, thanks, you got Furio, that guy, he, he gave me the listing, and we sold it immediately, or at least, no, emptied it, we're gonna sell the house, so she does another drive-by, but gets out of the car this time, to see it's totally empty, oh my god. Yep, and then we, uh, Tony mentions, what, Furio went back to Italy, left a voicemail at the Bing at 4.30am, he's like that stupid yeah. zip, I think he calls him. <laughs> uh, I yeah. think this is, yeah, because then it cuts to their basically arriving at Meadows, and what they even brought like a like a uh, you know boxes of water i guess food taking care of the taking care of the little italian princess uh we do meet finn meadows uh new beau at the apartment and i do like that um tony is tony's being more like charming like he's yeah he's being nice and i guess it's like you know the 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 contrast between how carmela is going to react here cuz she's already immediately kind of like passive aggressive a little bit and you know yeah. what we're used to especially last season tony was always the one at odds with the whole noah situation but now tony yeah. being the nice guy yeah i guess uh, quitting therapy does wonders for your social <laughs> skills uh, I, I i was thinking earlier like oh there's no therapy scenes and i was like oh yeah we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> uh, I got to remind myself. He walked out. He did the final walkout for now. Um, and yeah, so he he meets up with these people. I was trying to figure out like the dynamic here with these kids. There's the boyfriend who's a dental. He wants to get into dental school. Very respectable. His family has money and a place in Canada. And then there's this other kid living with the house that just laughs at everything Tony says. And there's this girl as well. I was trying to figure out the dynamic of what all these kids are thinking. Cause they all know who Tony Soprano is. Everyone knows yeah. who Tony Soprano is. It's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It kind of has to be assumed at this point. They all have an idea. Um, I, I do wonder what that means. Like what, what is said when they're not around to meadow or how meadow reacts. Although we saw, we saw a little bit at the end of season three, even though she would disrespect Tony, it was still like to outsiders, uh, you know, yeah. s s my dad's in waste management. So, uh, but then it's intercut with, we do see that they're trashing uh, Johnny's restaurant slash bar, whatever it is. They draw a dick on the painting with the, <laughs> with the canoe. Uh, <laughs> you know, things are starting to heat up in the New York, New Jersey war. Uh, they, 
It's okay. a very uh, soprano thing to say. It is a gondola, I think. They're oh, in Venice. That's yeah, not really a canoe. That, no, you're right. But yeah. That's something they would say in this show. <laughs> Do a cock over the canoe. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we get to the dinner scene. And, and like we mentioned, they get really into this book that apparently everyone has read. It's required reading, I suppose. I mean, except AJ. He didn't actually read it, it seems. Um but yeah, they get really into it, and Carmilla is very adamant that it's it's ridiculous. They're putting this gay stuff in our in our films and literature. What? And then they, I think Meadow says like, "Yeah, but this scholar said this," and she's like, "Well, maybe he's gay." You ever think about that? Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> uh, kind of final stuff. burn. That's the final. Yeah. And like Tony's just kind of like, "Ah, oh, who cares? Like, what does it matter?" AJ says something like, I didn't know they had fags back then or something like that. So the classic so, yeah. AJ line. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I like that. It's just a nice, uncomfortable, uh, just a un- nice, uncomfortable moment. Cause it, it's also, I mean, we all, we know what Carmelo's going through, but it also stacks with, we've seen when Meadow's been kind of like pretentious and t- sp- uh, spoken down to Carmilla in the past as well. So it's like, everything's yeah. kind of coming to a head uh, and she's just worked up and needs to get this anger and frustration out somewhere. So it's about this book that she doesn't really know anything about <laughs> and is yeah. probably wrong about. She's really uh, lashing out at everyone. Cause we've already seen her with Tony. Like she doesn't want to go on the holiday or whatever. And, but obviously that was before Fury even left. So it's a million times worse now. And like, it's, I almost feel sad as well for AJ because uh, Meadow's like, hey, you're passing everything? And he says with like a smile on his face, I got a C on a paper I did on Billy uh, Bud. Yeah. That's how the whole thing comes up. Yep. And he's like smiling and Carmela's like, a C? <laughs> and Tony <laughs> has to point out like, yeah, that's a lot better than he usually does. What's wrong with you? And she's she's not happy with that. She's really not happy with anything at this point. Yep. Then we see Carmine finds his trashed restaurant uh, and... Uh, I I think it's here where he, oh no, it's later on. He says, call the union. Basically, we're starting to see that he has to respond in some way because it's the old, like, the old mafia thing where it's like, obviously this was Tony and his crew, but we don't know that, but we know that. That's how they talk too, where it's like, they know, but they don't know, but they know. Uh, (laughs) And then, uh, oh yeah, then we have kind of the the scene that opens the show here where we have Polly and Silvio coming head to head, which I really liked. I like that, even though it's such a quick thing where they're kind of you know just yelling at each other, and Silvio is being reasonable here though certain people are wondering where your heart is, uh but yeah. you know Polly, hey, every friendship has its peaks and valleys right now, me and Tony are in a valley. And then Polly takes it to the next level. We just, I don't know where it just calls him a wormy cocksucker. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, fun because um, even though Silvio, much like Tony, has clammed up a bit around Polly, he's actually giving him oh, good advice here. He's like, oh, well, maybe it's because of this. Uh, maybe it's that. Uh, and so on. But Polly doesn't want to hear any of it. And even though he does take Silvio's advice later, basically, um, it's still a scene that I wonder if it will have consequences or not. Like between Silvio and Polly, are things like irrevocably broken after this, or is this just Polly being Polly? Like, are you used to this if you're Polly's friend? Yeah. I'm not so sure. But then if he comes in with a fat, you know, envelope and everything, and you know, buys Silvio a drink, are they going to be okay or not? I'm not completely sure. 
Yeah, and it's a nice showing of, especially because where we we go later with Polly, it's a nice showing of this kind of newfound confidence he has because he feels like he has, you know, his in with New York. So, I mean, I and yeah. I guess that's even what his line is, where he's like, who knows what the future holds, my friend? Because he really believes he's, like, going to be the boss. Uh, yeah. and, and, I mean, again, in classic Chase fashion, uh, I guess we can kind of, I mean, we're jumping around a bit, but it doesn't go where you think it's going to go. It doesn't become this, like, Pauly, you know, goes to war and then joins New York, and then it's like, ah, oh, he was one of my guys. He runs into Carmine at like a random wedding and he doesn't know who the fuck he is. Uh, and now it's like, oh, shit, yeah. what have I done? What do I got to do? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I may need to rewatch it, but I, I had the impression that he was uh, bullshitting when he was like, oh, it's my sister's uh, whatever. Or, uh, my friends like I thought he was there to see Carmine. I thought that was the thing. I, I, I mean, I think that's a read because I, I, like, I wouldn't put that above Polly, and it would make sense because if he's already kind of speaking a little bit out of turn, like even though it's not a he's not declaring war on Silvio, it does feel like it's kind of a big deal that scene. So maybe he's thinking, all right, let's start talking to Carmine as well. Uh, so I, I wouldn't put it above Polly to kind of figure out where he's at and kind of just worm his way in there. Yeah, because he, he doesn't look, I think, surprised when he sees him or anything. But then it could just be that he went to this wedding that he normally wouldn't have cared to go to because he knows Carmine will be there. So rather than like, it's not a. Co- I, I don't think either of us would be wrong or right. It's probably not a coincidence, but he clearly wants. Yeah, but but not completely a lie either. Well, he's probably. I mean, they probably are related or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, backing up a bit, then Carmine does basically, uh, after the Pauly Silvio scene, he mentions call the union. Uh, that's kind of going to be their retaliation. Then we have Rosalie April and Carmilla, uh, again, getting in a little gossips, speaking on the, uh, Furio situation. We had a date for color tile. Uh, <laughs> and then I, yeah. I think what Rosalie says, you don't think Tony said something. And then what Carmela just kind of like runs out much like, I mean, she is acting, she is regressing and it is kind of very like teenage, uh, crush type stuff. Cause she even like, she, she doesn't necessarily storm out. I wouldn't put it on the, on the, uh, counter, but she, you know, mm. she runs out in a dramatic teenage fashion. Yeah. And I think she's pointed that out as well about this whole situation, how it's uh, affecting her, uh, making her act a bit like that, act a bit like a teenager. She called it out herself. So at least she's uh, self-aware. Doesn't make it any easier for her. Uh, from one awkward uh, dinner to another, we have Polly with the old ladies, I suppose, after they saw the producers. Is that a thing that like old people love the producers? Because like, I kind of like the producers. <laughs> I don't know. I, the, only, the only thing I know about the producers is that season of Curb Your Enthusiasm when he was in the producers. And I was like, mm. oh, this is about producers. <laughs> so, Dude, it's in Swedish, that one, that music. I mean, it's Mel, uh, it's Mel Brooks and it's uh, Springtime for Hitler in Swedish. So it's about, have, do you know not know the plot of the producers? Well, from Curb Your Enthusiasm, it, because they're creating a show to fail or whatever. Yeah, like the, yeah so they yeah. make it the worst show possible. So they make it a musical about Hitler and uh, Springtime for Hitler. It's written by a Nazi and they're making it, but everyone thinks it's, uh, well, this is spoilers for the producers, but mm. everyone thinks it's a great, funny parody, but it's actually like written by a Nazi and it's just a ridiculous 
Yeah, they, they try to make the show fail in every way possible, and they fail to do that and accidentally make it a hit, but that means they're fucked, so they have to resolve that somehow. But it just has the musical number, Springtime for Hitler, and uh, I'm guessing they're going to see the musical version rather than, like, the original, well, it wouldn't be a stage play. They're definitely seeing the musical. Yeah, yeah, they're seeing it, yeah, the Broadway, right? And, well, I mean, and in a yeah. meta fashion on Curvy Enthusiasm, Mel Brooks casts larry david in in as one of the leads because he wants the producers to fail because he's sick of always having to do the producers uh so i don't know if you've seen that season but it's really great (laughs) right that is good okay anyway they did i don't know if they were uh very impressed with the producers it's not really important it's more about the roles like who grabbed the roles and (laughs) (laughs) that they're just loading up that finally the doggy bags are here and they're grabbing sugars and and yeah dinner rolls and, uh, you know, at first I thought it was going to be an issue that Polly kind of only like I wasn't sure if they were going to expect him to pay the bill or something. But he's like, you know, this yeah. is for Ma and me. But he also does pay for parking and gas. So he's he's actually being a pretty good host here. Uh, but, yeah, while he was going over the bill, they fucking stole her roles. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I, I guess is. But were they for the table, or like, <laughs> wasn't she right, or or did they have separate ones? Did did they grab for both of the bread things for both sides of the table? Also, there are still rolls like on the table. I think <laughs> no, they, those got grabbed. Uh, anyway, the important thing here is Jim. I also do this. Am I a scumbag as or just an old woman? Like, because you gotta have the rolls. Well, the rolls the are fine, but if you're grabbing like cream and sugar and stuff, that's a bit much. You're going a little right. overboard now. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, but yeah, Polly, the roles are very important to all of these people, and he, he tells the waiter to go, like, wrap them or something, which yeah. is weird. Instead uh, of just putting them, they already have doggy bags. But we do hear uh, some important information here. I think uh, Cookie mentions that that Min keeps money in her mattress or she doesn't put money in the bank yeah. or something like that. So nice little like yeah. throwaway line that becomes important. Yes. So, uh, this is the next scene is where the whole Esplanade worksite gets shut down. I did wonder what's the deal with the rats because, like, if you're coming from the Union shutting it down, do you need to make it a big carnival thing? What's the deal with the rat, Jim? I was thinking about that too. Actually, let me look that up. What was the inflatable rat? The rat. Because I was like, okay, is it like, oh, someone's a rat? Is that because it seems like something that would be done in in this show? But I mean, they're the official guys, are acting in an official capacity. So uh, what's up? Inflatable rats are union rats. They're giant inflatables in the shape of cartoon rats, commonly used in the U.S. by protesting or striking trade unions. Uh, they serve huh. as a sign of opposition against employers or non-union contractors. They're intended to call public attention to companies employing non-union labor. Uh, practice oh, okay. dates back from the 1990s. I thought they're going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be more uh, uh, longer than that. Although I guess it's pretty far now, but in Sopranos time, it's like, oh, this goes back a few years ago. Bring out the rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, it does add up then. It makes sense because that's exactly what they're doing. So got to get that rat in there. And uh, I mean, I this transition makes sense though. Uh, speaking of rats, they do go and talk to this juror. And just point out that, you know, hey, it's so great that such a nice family man like you is doing the right thing and uh, so on. So I, I think they get the message across. It's kind of because with these things, like the, it's a common, you know, mafia movie trope where 
you know, someone shows up and intimidates you. And I'm sure it's something that's been done in real life. But I just have to wonder, like, it feels like at least 50 percent of people would then just go to the authorities. Right. I I imagine it definitely works. But then I don't know. I feel like most people would be like, well, I got to go to the police. Some guy came in and threatened me. And maybe that's bad. Maybe that history's proven that that's not a good way to go. But I feel like that's probably what I do. Maybe I'm just a little rat, a little, <laughs> a little rat piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Bring out the inflatable rat for Jim. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird because the the speech, the closing statement there at the very start of the episode, it's uh, we don't see any more of the courtroom this episode. But uh, I think. That speech is partially in there for because it kind of helps Junior that they're talking about like this guy's ruthless. He'd kill you as soon as look at you. Send yeah. your goons after your family, and then like the goons show up and they are after his family. So like they've done a good enough job convincing this guy that I think this is gonna work just because of that speech where they're actually saying like no no this is serious shit. Yeah, he's not just some guy. If you convict him, ooh, you're gonna die. <laughs> so uh, counterproductive there of the lawyer. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, then we have Carmel. Um, sobbing in the bathroom uh, Meadow calls and you know rightfully she's like you know did I do something wrong you know, did I piss you off uh, and then we hear about the, tra- the tradition that we heard about in the pilot when kind of the roles were reversed Meadow was sobbing in her bed and Carmilla came in with her gloves on and her little purse and you know hey Miss Meadow we're gonna go have tea at the Plaza Hotel under Eloise's picture uh, now the tables have turned and Meadow wants to do it. Um, yeah, I never, I don't know what Eloise is until my girlfriend was telling me about Eloise when we were in New York because we went to the Plaza Hotel, but we couldn't even get oh. into the hotel because there's a big line out the door. Uh, I guess you need reservations or whatever. So we went into like the, <laughs> there's like a back entrance gift shop and there's all this Eloise stuff and I'm like, who's Eloise? And apparently yeah. it's just children's books or something. Um, I still don't really yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I just gleaned that from Wikipedia as yeah. well, that, yes, it's a portrait, uh, and, yeah, it's some books, children's books from the 50s, uh, I much guess, like Billy Bud. Yeah. Let's go to Wiki. I guess it's a little girl thing. Maybe that's why I didn't have the Eloise books when I was growing up. I, I do like the factoid that um, uh, Kay Thompson that wrote them, uh, it, it may have been uh, based off Liza Minnelli, who we all know from Arrested <laughs> Development, of course. Uh, as what Lucille too. So there you go. And okay, I guess it makes sense just reading the very first bit on Wikipedia. Eloise is a girl who lives in the room on the tippy top floor of the Plaza Hotel in New York City with her nanny, her pug dog Weenie, and her turtle Skipper D. Oh, nice. Um, so okay, I guess it makes sense then that the Plaza Hotel would be central. It's where the book takes place, and uh, yeah, makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so this time they actually go. Did they go in the pilot? I don't think so. No, yeah, Meadow no. turned it down. She even was mean yeah. about it. She said something like, "I've only." been doing it because you like it like recently like oh, yeah. kind of really twists twists it and now but now we get Carmilla's gonna get revenge yeah <laughs> another great reversal here um in this one so uh yeah what do we have we do have a little scene in between where they decide what to do uh you know Tony decides what to do about the whole situation and uh you know what does he decide to do? I don't remember. He says no retaliate. Uh, like right now, because they were like ready to go, you know, they're going to go torch some other place or whatever. But Tony says no, no retaliation, no back and forth. Silvio says it's going to cost us. And then Tony says, well, it's going to cost him too. So it's kind of like 
for the U.S. here uh, when we just had our recent government shutdown. It's kind of like we're in a standoff. Who's gonna Who's gonna break? Yeah. But who's Tony Soprano and who's Carmine in this uh, standoff? That's the real question. That is a good uh, question. Then we do get to the Plaza Hotel. We get, I think we get to see the picture. Uh, yes, we do. It's not the f- finest looking painting I ever saw, but I guess it's <laughs> iconic. Uh, so, you know, can't complain. Uh, Carmela did bring the gloves, so you got to give her like some, um, some points for that. She puts them on and is uh, very sad and upset about everything. Well, and, and to be fair to Carmela, like I think this is a thing that like – people that live in LA or people that live in New York do because initially when she's like, you know, I'll take the George Washington bridge. And then she's like, you're going to take the bridge to go to midtown. It's like, I know how to get in the city. And then she's like, where'd you park? It's like a lot on 57th. Is that okay? You know? And you know, that's like the running gag with LA or New York people. They're always like, Oh no, you don't want to take seventh. You got, and and you know what? To to be fair to Carmilla, that's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I think that's also, I mean, I know it's a thing in LA and New York, definitely a thing in the UK in general as well, (laughs) because there's a lot of traffic and a lot, a lot of roads that it's like every old man has an opinion on in a pub. Like, Oh, you can't go there. No. Oh, are you insane? Maybe if you left two weeks ago, you'd get there in time but maybe if you take this route on a tuesday afternoon before (laughs) seven but after four and all these things um but yeah the again the um situation doesn't go great it's not a great uh situation it's mostly carmilla i'd say still even with the traffic directions yes uh, and i think mood down and meadow does even say like what are you jealous like which is you know pretty on the nose uh but yeah. it's but it's there she is she is jealous uh and it's i like that they just kind of leave it at this moment of like they're in this nice place and it's usually a place where you know they've had i'm sure they've had a lot of good times there but it's now it's not like meadow gets up and leaves they're just kind of have to sit there in this silent like awkward like okay well now it's bad here in this nice place yeah, and it's like, uh, I mean, Carmela's obviously like every little thing is is a problem. Uh, where she brings up like, oh, I'll, I'll come by at this time and do some laundry. She doesn't even say like most college kids, I'll come by at this time and you do my laundry. Uh, she's actually gonna probably do it herself. Well, who knows? Um, but uh, but yeah, she's like implying that the boyfriend would come and stay even though meadow clearly didn't say that because her mind is in a particular place and she's like oh the way you two hang off each other and so on so yeah bringing us up to the whole jealousy line and like you said it's so close at the end there that it it almost feels like kermel is going to start crying again and they're going to hug it out uh that's not how it ends though it just hangs there in this uh awkward unpleasant situation where meadow is now threatening to transfer to another school yeah i mean and she doesn't even throw a few good ones at carmela too she mentions i was like well maybe i'll go to i forget what school and then just drop out like you did oh yeah northwestern oh oh no yeah no sorry yeah that's i guess that's another one yeah. oh yeah that that's rough that's yeah. a rough one yeah <laughs> uh. okay so we already mentioned the scene with Carmine and Polly. It's devastating to see the look on his face, but also so satisfying, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. father was run over by that trolley, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, it is really satisfying because it's like, Polly, man, what are you doing? You've been fucking up. Maybe now you'll do the right thing. And he does. Uh- <laughs> well, yes. He goes into the bathroom and sort of stares at himself. And like, I assume this is the moment when he's like, Right, got to rob that old lady. It's the yeah. only way out of this. I mean, he's definitely, obviously, like what Silvio said, you're only as good as your last envelope. That's what's going through mm-hmm. his head. 
uh, and Polly comes up with the most Polly solution <laughs> to that, uh, you know, that question in his head. Exactly. Um, so Carmela gets the mail and sees a postcard from Italy, and she's like, oh, "And so I, I was with her. I was with yeah. her in this moment, even though it's stupid. I was like, yeah, clearly he sent a postcard, and then it's just like some uh, hair salon or something, and it's like, oh, it's so oh, heartbreakingly Carmela. funny though. It's such like yeah, a funny thing. But like, I'm with you too because I was even like, oh yeah, he would know that she checks the mail. Like he knows he would know that Tony wouldn't check the mail. At least there's one little parting like." You know, uh, we'll live on in my in our uh, fantasies forever or something. Nope, yeah, just some ad. And then it's it's kind of like I don't know if I'm just picking this up in my head, but Tony seems grosser here when he's eating for some reason. <laughs> I don't Tony's know. Tony's always gross when he's eating. <laughs> yeah, um, but I they maybe how, amp it up a bit. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure yeah. how purposeful it is. It must be, but yeah, he's like. I don't know. He's got a sandwich and he's like dipping olives or something or other, and he's just kind of like stuffing his face and. Uh, yeah, then they kind of go over. There's a horrible lunch with Meadow, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else they cover there. I think it's just kind of that. Yeah, I mean, she says stuff like, "Oh, at this point, I don't even care if she oh, transfers away yeah. or whatever," and like she's acting uh, pretty bad about it. And 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 he says, you know, like I don't have enough to deal with, or no, he says, like I don't have enough on my plate, uh, which he does have. A, huge, a lot on his plates, literally. Yeah. Um, and he complains that one of his key guys disappeared to Naples, for Christ's sake. And, I mean, you're, you're right. I did actually think in this scene about the eating as well. My thought was more, like, thinking again for the millionth time how much food and eating there is in this show. It's so central to it. And I was thinking... Okay, but yeah, other shows have eating and drinking as well. But then I thought, no, they generally have like, they have pouring. You pour something into a cup yeah. and maybe you like raise it while you're talking and then someone says something and you put it down. Like, But The Sopranos has actual eating and drinking as such a central part. Um, it's something that is clearly tied to the theme, but it's also surprising that other shows don't do more of this. It, it almost feels like it just doesn't happen because it's like well we got to do eight takes so we don't want to get him too full or whatever yeah. but it can add such a level of i don't know it's something so concrete and realistic and in writing when you're describing stuff taste is a huge sense like you shouldn't be ignoring it just because it's a film medium you can evoke those feelings here as well and i think they do that well even when it's like gross like you mentioned yeah and and even specifically just tony and carmilla in this specific setting has been a recurring thing many times and usually yeah. in the past it's been this compromise moment where she prepares him something and then they sit in silence as he eats and it's kind of like okay you know life goes on but more and more it's been used as a weird like disconnect whether it be the fact that he has to make his own thing or can't find leftovers or whatever it is and she's not there and now it is more specific kind of like they're coming more at odds so yeah you're right like uh it, it's such a general thing on the show but they use it in like more specific and interesting ways a lot of time too yeah um so next scene we have meadow she's now at home uh popping into aj uh who is reading another book 
and they didn't even do the goof where he's like on page one he's like in the middle mm-hmm. and given he could have skipped but he's actually doing it um and meadow sort of asks a couple of questions and is like it's clear why she's the straight a student and she he's excited about a c because she puts it all together immediately because he's like yeah i don't know he, he she brought me over to this guy i think he's uh, she's upset about about his dad dying and like he's got it all messed up he doesn't even know like yeah i think he went there or something and for the funeral and he's back and i don't know oh it was such a drag going over there she puts it all together immediately yes and uh going through this death in venice and again i guess that's another gondola uh connection mm-hmm. uh the work presents a great writer suffering writer's block who visits venice and is liberated uplifted and then increasingly uh obsessed by the sight of a stunningly beautiful youth Though he never speaks to the boy, much less touches him, the writer finds himself drawn deep into ruinous inward passion. Meanwhile, Venice, and finally the writer himself, succumb to cholera plague. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, I mean, it's another gay book, um, but it is, I mean, I guess it's speaking to Carmilla's, like, the inward, like, they never... You know, she de- they never consummated their crush. They never got a chance to even go on their half of a date uh, at mm. the tile store. Uh, and I guess that's how the obsession and, you know, uh, this inward passion can consume you. So there you go. Well, speaking of obsession, uh, I have this to say. AJ's teacher, maybe he's gay. <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah, Just signing mean, all these gay books. <laughs> that's a great point. I mean, I guess they, they, the theory washes. <laughs> okay so uh then we have a fantastic scene where Polly goes and uh robs this old lady and it's such a comical scene and like which then turns so dark which is such a Polly thing where yeah. like you think he's gonna crawl under the bed or you, you think he has some skills but yeah. like he's like oh the car's gone she's clearly not home breaks in and is rummaging around and she knows what's up and the whole scene is it's just great well, and also, like, he's freaking out. It's not like she's saying, I'm going to call the police or something like that. She's like, I'm going to call your mother. And I guess that maybe yeah. that's, like, worse to, to Polly. Uh, and then, yeah, well, it's just, he's trying to be like, ah, you know, hey, we'll, you know, we'll come, we'll have to, uh, make some coffee or, you know, we'll have dinner sometime. He's trying to really play it off, but she's not having it. And then it just ends with him smothering her <laughs> with a pillow. And it really is kind of like, it's a pretty brutal scene. Yeah, uh, I mean, she says she's calling his mother, but is she really calling the police? True. I guess not, because she has, like, an alarm around her neck, so that's... Like, like a life alert. He, yeah, he grabs it, like, don't you set that thing off, and then chases her down the hall, and I, <laughs> and then she starts saying, like, you were always a little bastard, and, like, really sets him off. It feels like, at that point, I, I guess I knew he was going to kill her, but it's also, like, it maybe he, like... I don't know. Is there another way out of that situation? I guess they both yeah. know she had to die. <laughs> yeah, I guess either, cause what's he because what else is he going to do? Beat her up? If he beats her up, she's just going to rat on him. <laughs> it's going to be a inflatable yeah. rat. Uh, I mean, there yeah, is. And uh, to go into real life real quick, this is actually a recent news story back in November. Uh, the actress that plays uh, Min Matrone. Uh, Soprano's actress says cold apartment is killing her. An elderly retired actress who was whacked on The Sopranos says being killed off on TV is nothing compared to the slow death she's experiencing in her Upper East Side apartment. 
Wheelchair-bound Fran Anthony, 87, is one of uh, 15 residents uh, on the 260 East 72nd Street in Manhattan. They've been without heat and hot water for the past six days. It's too cold for me to even order any food because I don't want to stand in the hall and answer the intercom. Uh, a lot of the neighbors have friends they can go to or a relative they can go to. I don't have anybody. Uh, Anthony played Min Matron in the fourth season of HBO Mafia series. Her character socialized with the mother of soprano capo Polly, Polly Walnuts Gutierrez, who smothered her with a pillow when she caught the wise guy trying to rob her house. Uh, temperatures dipped into the low 30s Saturday and Sunday. Anthony said that it's become a struggle for her to bathe or use the bathroom because she doesn't want to get out from underneath her blankets. I have to take everything off to go to the bathroom. It's so hard. Even my hands when you use the toilet. You want to wash your hands, but it's freezing cold. I've been using that chemical stuff, parentheses, hand sanitizer. Feels pretty awful. Uh, I, I don't know if there was an update on this, because I remember this was kind of going around in November, and I was like, oh, I can't send this to you because it says how she gets smothered <laughs> by <laughs> Polly. But now yeah. that we're at this point, we can at least call this out. I hope someone uh, took care of her in this. I, I feel like it's been getting colder since November. So I imagine this apartment now has heat. Well, let's uh, keep imagining that. You know, when you set, started saying, like, there was a news story back in November, I'm like, great. The guy who played Polly actually smothered someone. Uh. Because that's always <laughs> the thing here. Because it's like, yeah, it was actually like a real time mobster. And, like, it's always going to be something. And I was like, oh, it's just cold. Did she freeze to death? No, not yet. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. She's dead on the show, though. And you know what that means. Oh, that's right. Sh- shit, I almost forgot. That's right. We do got to get the old counters out because, I mean, of course, she's she counts. She's been in multiple episodes. So let's yeah, put a little... She done... Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, she done got murdered. Right. So uh, it's <laughs> yeah. fine to cut me off in those types of situations, right. Jim. Let's put it on the board. Yeah, put a little stank on it. So now we're at, what's the count at, my dude? 37. 37 deaths and 13 walkouts. Uh, If there is no more therapy, which I don't believe, (laughs) it is a great number to stop at, 13 walkouts. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, 37 deaths, which is, you know, it's a a lot. Uh, It's definitely a lot, but we're at 51 episodes. In a mob show, you would expect it maybe... No, you wouldn't really expect it to be more, honestly. it's. I'm honestly surprised by 37 because it feels like there have been seasons where no one dies, but then you get an episode where 10 people die. So yeah. it all uh, it all adds up. Plus a horse. Uh, of course. We have to count the horse. Um, So Polly comes in and he's all buddy-buddy with Tony now. He's got that fat envelope. Uh, Tony's like, what did you do, rob a bank? Uh, and he's saying, things are back on track. I'm going to do my part. He realizes now he has no other avenues. Yeah. This is where he's at. He's got to show his loyalty, get back in good graces, and he put a smile on his face, even though he just murdered an old lady. Maybe that helped. I don't know. Um, and yeah, uh, Tony still shoes him out, though, because he gets a phone call from Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Sack calls him, but now I like that Paulie's now like, what's that prick want? Like, Because now, you know, yeah. Johnny Sack's not quite in his good graces anymore. And then we do, then Paulie has even got his head to the door trying to <laughs> listen in, see what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he hears anything useful, though. I don't think it, so. Either. At the door. Because he's just like, oh, yeah, let's meet. Uh, and he, he almost reacts like, oh, shit, they're going to meet. But I don't even know. Uh, it is a, it's interesting. When he said, like, what's that prick want? I at first was like, yeah, he's just saying he doesn't like him because Tony doesn't like him. But then he, I was like, oh, no, of course he doesn't like him now. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a fucking liar. Um, so 
Tony comes down the steps and talks to Meadow for a little bit. Again, in his robe, like he does. And they talk about Carmela because they both noticed something is off. And Meadow, I mean, she was never going to tell him about Furio. But, like, she's, yeah, trying to figure out what to say. And kind of just concludes, yeah, you're right, Dad. It's probably just metapods. Yeah, man, Tony, it's, <laughs> it is almost like uh, he's so clueless in a way. Like, it's such a... It's kind of like a shitty thing someone says when they're like, oh, I asked her for her number. She must be gay. She wouldn't give me her number. She's a lesbo. Like, you know, she's going through menopause. And I mean, I guess she's getting older. That is something to think about. But like, come on, dude, like open your eyes. I, and it, and it, I feel like Meadow is like taking pity on him in a weird way. But she also, I mean, she must understand where her mother's coming from. But then also this mm. bombshell that Meadow never knew about therapy. <laughs> I know it's so great because like uh, AJ found out and let it slip and then like his mother knew and everyone knew and he had to bring the crew in and tell everyone but it was still a thing they didn't actually talk about and then she went to college so it's such a great thing where it's like oh we talked about it in counseling you went to counseling yeah it was part of my therapy you went to therapy <laughs> oh, it's great. And her like surprised and impressed look is so like rewarding because it's like, oh, you went to therapy all this time while you were complaining to me a lot about Noah and all this stuff. You had therapy through all that? Yeah. And you were still like that? Like imagine what he would have been like without it, Meadow. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fun I mean, I guess I assume they're kind of like in the writer's room and they realize, wow, you know what? We've never had like a connection between Meadow's character, uh, Meadow and therapy. So, you know, it's a fun little detail to, to throw out here. Even though she actually, like, was recommended a therapist through Tony's therapist, it's almost because he assumes she knew. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird. He, he, I mean, he could have gone in an off-screen scene like, hey, even I've gone to therapy. Come on, you should do it and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I guess he never did, which yeah. also makes sense for him. True. But it is interesting to see the difference here of him being so casual about it. And I think part of it is that it's in the past tense for him. So that he can go, yeah, I went to therapy, got this sorted out, and now I'm great. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, yeah, then from there, Tony does meet up with Johnny. And uh, it's the old, he's saying it, but he's not saying it. You know, if something were to happen to Carmine, uh, you know, God forbid. Yeah, and it's like he's a healthy man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is healthy. That's the problem. <laughs> it's exactly the scene with Polly and Johnny. You know, just mm-hmm. like just I, the other episode, like when they're walking down and talking about, oh, if God forbid something happened, who would be boss? Oh. But this time it's for real, like because the earlier one was never going to happen. But this time it feels like, well, when Tony says he's going to kill someone, he's going to kill someone. And in most of these scenes, um, when it ends, you you they don't even often like often they choose not to have a reaction shot yeah in this case it's like they don't just linger on tony he actually goes like holy shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> to himself in the car which yeah. they don't usually do yeah that's a, that's a fun moment because yeah he even he doesn't uh can't believe what's happening here uh I, I mean i just have to wonder though because they're always talking about like the other families like what that would mean but i guess if johnny sack is kind of throwing his support up behind it that's kind of the understood like he can handle that if there's blowback or something i don't know uh as far as the interpolitics with what family does what and if you take out a boss and what that entails 
Yes, I feel that it's, um, let's see, what do they say there? They, he, he gives the go-ahead, like, even, Tony could probably kill him before, most like Carmine could have Tony killed previously, I think, in a way. Um, but yeah, having the go-ahead from this guy who's likely to maybe take over, but then again, we don't really know that. He's just the only other guy we've seen in New York Mafia life who's not a complete idiot. Uh, but presumably he'd be, uh, you know, taking over a little bit and he's giving you the go-ahead. So it's probably fine, but it's still a holy shit moment. Mm. Uh, but that's, I suppose, why he brings up the health thing. It's got to be like, they can't shoot him in the street, but maybe yeah. if he, you know, gets poisoned or something, yeah. Breaking Bad style, I don't know. If something you need, could happen. Yeah, I mean, maybe if, if you need someone uh, to smother him with a pillow, <laughs> maybe mm. you could get Paulie on the guy. Job. Yeah. Uh, and then we end here with uh, Carmilla in bed, and then Tony uh, comes home and, you know, he's get taken off his clothes, get ready to go to bed, and they're talking about Meadow, and it's such a great capper to end on because, you know, Tony brings up she's this strong, independent women, uh, woman that you created. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Isn't that what you wanted? And, you know, uh, Edie Falco, been killing it this season, uh, and just has that, you know, that stare into the camera, basically, and just says yes, because that's what she wants. Yeah. Uh, yes. Exactly, and then we play the music, and we go to credits, yep. and cut to black. Um, it's uh, it's it's a good episode. It is interesting that this is episode uh, twelve out of thirteen. I feel like we've obviously had like huge episodes past couple of ones. It's interesting not to have Christopher shooting up every episode <laughs> yeah. uh, anymore. So I'm kind of interested in seeing. I don't think we'll necessarily see him again until next season. But it's going to be interesting to see if he comes out like squeaky clean. What's going on there? Is there going to be another big thing? Obviously, you can't say. But I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing if there's going to be like Carmine being killed or or something uh, next time. It's going to be exciting. We're heading for the finale. Please send your finale thoughts to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you thought of the finale because we're going to discuss it next time. Yes, which is, uh, I believe, the longest Sopranos episode in the whole run. Uh, Ooh, it's a 70, okay. It's a 75-minute episode. Well, that makes me think something is definitely happening because they wouldn't have Tony eating for that long, even this show. Uh, So something's probably got to happen. You can, of course, also leave a review on iTunes uh, of Cut to Black. We'd really appreciate it. We got one here from T. Durkin. Um, I didn't know this. The title of the review is Great. It's five stars out of five, no less. And it's short but sweet. Simply says, great podcast. Thanks, guys. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, You're very welcome. Yes, you're welcome. (laughs) Yes, and if anyone else wants to let us know similar thoughts, just feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll read them out on the show. Anything else, Jim? Well, there's just one more thing, and people would argue that it's probably the most important thing. Okay, I will say, uh, I don't know what you were going to say, but I just remembered something Uh. uh, about this episode that I wanted to mention. I wanted to do it at the end, because I kind of got a spoiler, a slight spoiler from Wikipedia. So if you don't want any type of spoiler on anything, you can turn it off for now but uh it's not a huge one but it did i i kind of wish i didn't see it yeah but i w- wanted to mention it anyway because i did see it so it's it's what could i say just turn it off now if you don't want any spoilers it's a fairly mild one it's a mild Similar thing to, I, I think i know exactly what you're yeah. gonna say but yeah 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 it's exactly like the russian in the woods type thing um so yeah the spoiler note's over and the spoiler is that furio's not in the show ever again as far as i can see here it just says it on the wikipedia for the episode says like this marks the last appearance of furio and i'm like well shit 
uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because of the way, you know, they put it together. It's like, yeah, of course, like, I, I would never have thought that. Like, I would have thought he would be back at some point, at least. Uh, even if he wasn't back for the season or whatever, maybe he shows up, maybe they go to Italy, they have to get him in, we got to do a bank job in Italy or whatever, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess he's not in it. And that ties into what you were saying before about, hey, it's a David Chase show. They were building to this for a long time, and the payoff is Furio left, and uh, your fantasy is over, Carmilla. Yes, yeah, he's on. It says here that uh, what he's only mentioned in future episodes. So yeah, we will not okay. see Furio Gunta again. We don't get to see him like hold up in a, an Italian uh, bodega or whatever the hell they call him. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> riding his canoe down the <laughs> the canals of Venice. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think he would be like important uh, or whatever. But I thought maybe you know we we'd get a little bit more. I I guess I'm like Carmela, just waiting for a letter to come in, and I. I didn't necessarily want it spoiled that there would never be a postcard from Italy. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, there you go. I guess it makes sense. The storyline was all about Carmilla, and like you said, it makes you th- kind of think about what was the point of that whole Italy thing and the cars? They had some deal on importing cars, but the point was never that. The point was Tony talking to this powerful lady in Italy and how that reflected his life over here. Then he got Fiorio over here, but Fiorio's not that important. It's actually about how it affects Carmilla. So, uh, yeah, I am interested in how it will affect or change Carmilla, or if she'll just have another hunk that she'll be all about at the start of next season. Yet a new we'll replacement see. hunk. But, yeah, yes, I mean, yeah, that is a good tidbit. I think that is a good placement for it in the, uh, at the end of the show, in case there are some people out there that are doing a week-to-week, which we do appreciate. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, that last thing, though. It, it's cut to black. Cut to black. <laughs> 